Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, we're going to get started here with a little college football this morning. It is that time of year. It is that month, the month of September. October, we'll be mixing in jazz. It isn't that far away. But we begin with football here, and we begin with the Cougars and their quarterback, Zach Wilson. A little salty, not particularly happy with the loss. Not particularly happy with the they so poo poo comment either, as you will uh, hear. He'll be quizzed about that. Rather short answer. You know, I really get that. I don't. Tyler Huntley didn't come out angry. He didn't come out. He was messing around, like Kalani Sataki said. And and you fans, I know you say, oh, he's just kidding around. He's just messing around. But put yourself in BYU players' shoes. How are they going to take that? Not well. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't take it well. He's a senior. He's done playing. And right away, Britton Covey knew it. He knows he knows Tyler Huntley, and he knows his sense of humor, and they've been in a million meeting rooms and all practices and huddles and all that stuff. But he knew. And seemed like, whoa, I'm a junior. I'm going to get hit by these guys again. Easy does it. All right, here is the Cougars quarterback, Zach Wilson, on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What did you learn? Man, that, uh, you know, sometimes stuff just happens in the team. we got to battle back, and you know, still got a whole season ahead of ourselves. As you broke down the film, how do you kind of – I know you're a film junkie, so how did you kind of look at your own performance and what did you see just as far as that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I had a lot of good plays, but obviously critical plays, and I think, um, you know, i got to be smarter with the ball in my hands and, um, you know, execute better. And um, I do think we did a good job of overcoming adversity, adversity even when we had, you know – Bad plays. I still think we did. We came back and we moved the ball well, but um, of course, always things to clean up on. So the nice thing about your schedule is you move on and you got a big opponent the next week. So what are your thoughts on facing Tennessee and getting to play in front of a hundred thousand people? Yeah, everyone just talks once you hit twenty four hours after the game. It's you know you, you stop talking about it and you move on. And you know I'm excited. It's a really good team, talented team, and you know a great opportunity for us. What was your reaction to Georgia State getting them on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, they played well. They fought hard, and um, Georgia, Georgia State had nothing to lose. You guys had kind of go in with that mentality as well? Do you have to have that kind of mentality? Yeah, I mean, you just got to go in there knowing, you know, we can we can play against these guys, we can beat these guys, and, you know, it's all about just executing, making sure we're, we're doing our jobs. Zach, what were the 24 hours after the loss like for you? Did you stew over it? Did you forget about it? No, I mean, I mean, it's nothing, you know, to get hard on yourself over. I mean, football's a game where – there's so much learning involved, and I think that was the biggest point of emphasis for all of us is, um, you know, we, we went over the film, we found our mistakes, and, you know, it's tough to watch, but we found the plays that we made mistakes on, and then you kind of just, you know, you go to the next week preparing to, to fix those mistakes. Where do you expect the offense to make its biggest improvement from week one to week two? Yeah, just execution and, and, and being smooth overall. I mean, there was a lot of confusion throughout the game of, you know, who's lined up where, who's supposed to do what, you know, clock management, and, um, you know, just getting up and getting set and ready to go and um, quite a bit of MAs, kind of stuff like that. And, and so I think now that we've had that, that first game, um, we should be a lot better just in overall execution. Did you have any snap problems in camp or was that just an anomaly, the two bad snaps? No, it's just an anomaly. James is a stud and I know he's um, working on it. we got to be shortstops back there. I mean, and, I mean as a quarterback, we got to catch everything. I know James has a big job on his hands and um, that's on us. we got to catch the ball. When Jaron came in for you 
Uh, somebody asked before, asked Kalani if there was maybe a disruption in rhythm or anything. Did you feel any of that? Or man, I just I just do what the coaches want me to do, and um, you know they felt like that was a, that was a good play for the situation of what they wanted to do, and um, I trust and have full belief in what they they have going, and so um, you know it's unfortunate that um, we weren't able to execute on that play, but um, you know it's just one of those things. A lot of teams start off with a lack of a better term, a cupcake FCS game type of deal. Do you like having started off with Utah in, the, in terms of how the season started off? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a – honestly, I don't really think it matters. I mean, obviously, there's those those first game problems that everyone kind of runs into that we noticed from that last game. And, you know, but however the schedule works out, we got to be ready. Um, we've, we've been preparing for this all summer, and it's something that – you know, you can't make excuses about who you're playing first game and um, whether it's supposed to be like a practice game to get you ready is you just got to be ready in general. I don't know how much you've seen of Tennessee yet, but any, any thoughts on, on them defensively? No, I mean, just just a good defense. They got a lot of uh, athletes, uh, very multiple in what they do um, scheme-wise, trying to do a whole bunch of different things. And so um, it'll be a critical week for us to really make sure that we're dialed in and, and everyone knows their assignments and we're making the plays we need to make. You faced that Utah crowd last November really loud but Tennessee is like twice that Mm -hmm. as far as numbers go what do you expect from the Tennessee crowd and do you think you're ready for it yeah just an amazing opportunity I know personally like we like traveling to away games we feel like that that hate towards us and and people booing against us is honestly something that keeps us driving Um, you know so I'm excited it'll be an amazing experience for us to, to see something like that most coaches want their quarterback to slide when they run the ball. Kalani said he wanted he wanted you to not slide. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't like you sliding. Do you do you like that? Like, do you like to slide? Do you like to? Because we saw you got hit. Last yeah. Game. Well, it, it just depends when. I mean, it, it's it's the the timing. I had a couple where, you know, I almost injured myself because I tr- I tried sliding and you know I've had a hard time with it because the new rule of where you slide is they're gonna they're gonna put the ball back to where the you know I guess the end of your body was and so. Um, you know, I've never been that type of person to always want to be sliding. But I think it just depends. You know, if you're coming through the middle and there's three or four dudes around you, I think it's a good opportunity to slide. But if you're on the edge and um, you got to pick up a first down, um, it, just, it just depends on situational type things. Did it surprise you as Julian, your second cousin, at all? Uh, on that one? Yeah, on that one. No, no, I mean, I don't blame him for it. Um, I acted like I was going to slide at first, and then he came in. Um, you know, honestly, not a big hit or anything at all. And so I wasn't... Um, wasn't phased by it. I know a lot of the crowd reactions and stuff were a lot, but you know it's part of the game. It is what it is, and um, you know I got to make a faster decision if I want to slide or if I want to come back and make a move. What's your what mindset after like a pick six when that happens? What's running through your mind? Yeah, just to move on, man. I think that was that's something I've I've worked my whole life. I mean, picks happen, man. I mean, so many quarterbacks. I mean, this weekend, how many quarterbacks are in interception? It happens to the best of us, and so you know it's one of those things that. You can't let you can't let it phase you. You got to go into the game knowing you know what mistakes are going to happen, and I honestly really think we did a good job of that. We had mistakes, and then we were able to come down and still put drives together, and you know still be that team that was able to throw the ball or run the ball. And guys are still able to execute just because you know we have that mentality that you know what stuff is going to happen sometimes. What was the morale of the team coming out of that suspension? You know the weather delay, all that. Was there optimism that the offense was going to get that ball back and? Obviously that last night. Yeah, it, it was it was just, you know, um, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I think that was the message through everybody is, you know, even though this game has slipped a little bit, um, we really got to finish. It's something that um, we take big pride in, and it, it just kind of shows what kind of a team we have, the mentality we have as a team. And um, I know those guys would have been ready to go back out there if we had the chance to. This is only your third start against a Power 5 opponent, second uh 
Power Five team, first two being against Utah. What do you think it's going to take from you and this offense to, to get a win against you know another talented Power Five team? Yeah, I mean just execution. I think that's where it comes across to across the whole board is is just execution. We gotta. We, we got to control the things we can control, you know, running the right routes, me making the right reads, the O-line blocking the right guys. And I think all of that just, you know, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose those one-on-one battles. But, you know, if we're doing the right thing, we got the right technique going, then it's instantly in our favor. What were your thoughts on Tyson's play? Having him now in that backfield's got to open things up. Yeah, he's you. a stud. I honestly feel like one of, the, one of the biggest problems of the game is just the amount of plays we got in. I know it was 50-something and... Um, I think that hurt because we really didn't throw it a ton either. I think we had 33 passing attempts, and and so it was good to see him a little bit in there. And, and he's a really good back. And same with Zacato. I thought he ran the ball really well. Um, I'm happy for those guys. I just feel like we came short just because we we weren't on offense a lot. You had a lot of the plays after a first down where you run up to the line and try and run a play really quick. Mm-hmm. How much is that on? Is that your decision or just with the team? Because it didn't seem to work very good. I think one of the interceptions came mm-hmm. in that circumstance. It just didn't seem like you guys were locked in when. You're yeah. really rushing up to the line. Yeah, is that just, on you as a quarterback? Or yeah, I mean that, that's on me to make this better decisions. Of course, I mean um, when we when we get up to the line, we're trying to catch the defense off guard, but we can't let it catch us us off guard. I mean that's one of those things is you know we're going quick, but you don't want to go so fast where you're putting yourself in a bad situation. And so that's one thing I've learned from this past week is you know, even though things are going fast, you still gotta you still gotta be ready to snap the ball. You can't be snapping the ball without um, an idea of what the defense is doing or, or what you're going to be doing with the ball. How did Tyler Huntley's comments after the game play out in the BYU locker room? Yeah, it has nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. That's his own personal choice. Last question. How much freedom do you have? How much freedom has Coach Grimes given you to change things at the line of scrimmage? Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's things here and there, but, I mean, a lot of the offense is very quarterback friendly. But, um, you know, as far as protections go and, um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, we'll have routes on each side and being able to pick um, – you know, we'll have beaters on each side for whatever we think is the best matchup of things. And so, um, you know, whether it's actually audibling things at the line is still very quarterback friendly. There's a lot of decision making that goes in. There's BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. I think they got a great chance to win this game in Tennessee. I think if they don't win this game in Tennessee, it'll be a huge red flag. It's a major problem. One, there's just the quality of football. And I know things happen in games and stuff can go weird and all that. But it's a math problem. If you're 0-2 with the games they have left... Yeah, eight wins becomes really very difficult to see. Borderline impossible. I mean, there's 10 games left, so okay, it's possible. But really, when you look at the quality, if they lose to Tennessee, I think getting bowl eligible is going to be a fight and a struggle. I don't think they're going to lose to Tennessee. I was surprised that Tennessee was actually favored in this game. If you didn't watch the game, it's... You know, they did. Tennessee did not get beat by a few big plays. And at home against Georgia State in the opener, that would have been a problem. But they didn't get beat by a few big plays. They got beat snap after snap after snap. It was so hard for them to get Georgia State into a third down. I mean, they did it. They forced Georgia State to kick some field goals. And I think I saw a punt or two. I didn't watch the whole game. Uh, I saw a score on Twitter and realized, wow, this is kind of close. Uh, but I did see the whole second half. I just saw part of the first half. Uh, and late in the game, Georgia State, just they could snap the ball and they could run right at them for five yards. They could run outside and get five yards. The quarterback scrambled and picked up seven or ten yards. And they were throwing the ball. Literally the whole playbook was there. So I, I think the opportunity is there for BYU. All right, when we come back, the Utes, Frank Dolce. Get his take on the opening week of college football. That's next. Stay with us. 
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, time to talk University of Utah football now with Frank Dolce, Utah analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you had a nice weekend. We did have a nice weekend. And I assume that you watched a little Pac-12 football over the weekend trying to assess what you saw from the Utes on Thursday night and what you saw around the conference and watching USC right. starting quarterback go down. It's a nasty blow for them week one. Yeah, that's too bad. That's too bad. I he he looked like uh, he was playing really well too, and and they had that whatever they're calling their new air raid offense. Uh, looked like they had it kind of going along there. So I I, I hate to see that, and I hate to see the uh, the season ending injury. So tough tough break for for USC. I I, I did think it's interesting. Uh, just in case people were worried about USC, there's Man, they have a ton of athletes running around out there. And so the USC that we thought might be a little bit down. Now maybe with the quarterback situation, it it holds true. But that's a team that's going to be dangerous. Yeah, you look at this as you call the air raid, and obviously that's from Leach. And we've seen Leach over a number of years, over a number of different players, just sort of replace and plug with the new quarterback, but yet the offense stays the same, and they usually have success. Now, Harold, the new coordinator, played for Leach. You know, he's not Leach, obviously, but he comes from that tree. So going forward here, they're going to bring in, most likely, if they just move up the depth chart, and that's what they did on Saturday. They brought in the freshman, who is a first-year freshman, not a redshirt freshman, but a first-year freshman. So I'm wondering, offensively, do you think really, even though this kid is very young, we're going to see much change? Because if you look at the Mike Leach style and history, no matter who they put in there, the offense basically stays the same. I, I don't think you'll see much change in what they want to do on the offensive side. It's it's just going to be the will the new will the new quarterback will the freshman be able to execute at the same level. That's the that's been kind of the thing with Leach is that he replaces a guy year after year, and the productivity is still extremely high, and the efficiency the quarterback efficiency is extremely high, and it's it's not an, it's not necessarily an easy offense for a quarterback to run. So that would be my my big question mark is is the quarterback going to be able to run that offense? I they're they're going to run the same stuff. I don't think they're going to change it up, but will he be able to run that offense with the same efficiency um that that they were running before even with all of the athletes and everything else that's happening. So uh, that, I, I think for, for USC, that's just a big question going through the, through the rest of the year is how, how quickly can the freshmen come up to speed and, and keep things clicking at the same pace. 
Frank Dolce joining us here. So uh, you're going to see USC uh, play Stanford, who also lost their quarterback. Uh, that was looked like a concussion, so presumably they'll get him back at some point, but maybe not this weekend. Uh, and then you're going to see him play BYU. Did you see enough of BYU in that Utah game to feel like they'll give you a good read on USC? And if so, what will you be looking for? I yeah, I like. That. I, I mean, I think that's a. I think that's a good match. And by the way, I I don't know. Know how that that wasn't a tar- that that hit against Costello. It, it doesn't turn into a targeting penalty. I just don't. Even after all the replays and everything else, they don't give a targeting on that. That seems kind of textbook to me. But re- regarding USC and and BYU, that, that I think that's I think that's a good matchup. I think BYU showed uh, you know quite a bit in the game against Utah and and. To, to me, the difference is that in, in that game, well, Utah was able to run the ball pretty effectively, and and Moss was pretty darn good. But the turnovers are just that, those that, that killed that killed BYU. We talked about that before the game. Two two pick sixes and a fumble. Those those things you just it's really difficult to overcome. And and on the other side, Utah was clean in that game. So um, BYU will have to be kind of the same thing. Is good, really good at the line of scrimmage. On the offensive side, I don't think there's any question they're going to be good up front. They'll need to rely, I think, a little bit more on the running game rather than you know seven carries for Williams. I think you're going to have to be more in the 20 range with the same productivity. So he was he was averaging six and a half yards a carry, close to that. And if he can if he can carry the ball 20 plus times and average a little over five five and a half yards a carry, I think they'll be in really good shape and. And then Wilson, you know, he's just going to have to be a little more protective of the football and and not put himself or put his team into those situations where they're giving up defensive defensive scores. On the other side, I still, you know, I I was I was more impressed. I thought that I thought Utah would manage BYU's defense a little bit better, and and I thought BYU played um, a little more stout on the defensive side side than I. Than I expected going into that game, so I thought that was a good sign, and and so I think the matchup with with BYU and USC is 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 really good at at BYU. I still think the that if you look at it and break everything down, the athleticism falls on the side of USC, and that probably determines or, or could very well determine the outcome of the game. Although now starting the freshman quarterback for USC, that that's another fact that you have to look into it. But I, I still think USC's athleticism overcomes the day. As far as the Ute offense, I thought that was the prototypical offense of what we're going to see all year. Basically, the number one emphasis is going to be don't turn the ball over. If we don't turn the ball over, our chances of winning go up exponentially. So what we saw in game one, maybe not so much in this week and the next week because the competition isn't expected to be as difficult, but once they get into conference play, it's going to be what we saw. Do not take chances with that football, and as long as you don't do that, everything's going to be okay. Yes. Well, I think you're talking specifically about uh, Tyler Huntley and how he managed the passing game. <laughs> the, the run game was was great, and I and I I like to see Utah run the ball that way and run that often. I don't I don't care. I, I like that kind of football, but I still think they need to be a little more productive in the pass game. I have no problem with you know the 
13 of 16 or whatever he turned out, whatever he turned out in that, that game. And that's great efficiency, but 106, 105, 106 yards through the air, I think is going to be difficult to overcome as you go through the rest of the schedule. And like you said, maybe not the next two weeks, but as you get into Pac-12 play, I think you're going to have to be a little more productive in the pass game in terms of yardage. So, But I, I think you're exactly right that the mantra of, you know, don't turn the ball over, especially in the passing game, don't turn the ball over. I think you could see that uh, maybe hesitance in Tyler Huntley in his willingness to throw the ball downfield and drop back to pass and, and look and look, and then he was – he was moving pretty quickly and maybe that will calm down a little bit too. You know, after the first effort, everybody's excited in the first game. So we'll see how that goes, but no question about it. It's, it's a, it's a run based, um, throw the ball when you need to kind of offense. And there is a significant emphasis on keeping the, keeping possession of the ball and not giving it over to the other team. So do you think it changes at all if they're in a close game? Because I thought once they got the lead at 16-6 on the first drive of the third quarter, then it was basically just take the air out of the ball and end the game because they just didn't think the BYU was going to win at that point. But in a conference game, will it be different? I mean, they're not really going to have that many games where they only throw 16 passes, are they? I I wouldn't think so. I mean, I, if Coach Winningham could run the ball, you know, 60 times a game and, and win the game, then I think he would. I think right. he would do that. Uh, but I just I, I don't think the competition is going to allow you to do that going through maybe maybe not the next couple of weeks, but but I but when you get into the, you know playing against Washington and and. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to they're going to key on Zach Moss, and they're going to key on that running game, and they have the talent to to potentially slow that down. And and when when you play against that kind of competition, you're going to have to be a little more balanced um, with your offensive attack. So, yeah, I don't. If he could, if he could if he could run the ball seventy five percent of the time. And and he could win a bunch of games that way. Then I think he would do that. But I just don't think the competition is going to allow you to do that once you get into the Pac-12 schedule. So the passing game is going to have to come along. The produ- productivity in the passing game is going to have to come along. See, I think that in those games he's going to buckle down even more because in those games you cannot afford turnovers even more so because the competition's better against the cougars they could have had a turnover or two and it would have been just fine and maybe the nature of the game will dictate otherwise but i see him even going more conservative in these huge games that they have and at that point you know if it doesn't work then you open it up but until it proves that it doesn't work. You keep the ball and you punt the ball, and then we'll rely on our defense to set up our offense. Yeah. So I'm expecting even more yeah. conservatism. <laughs> so you, you think that the percentage is going to is going to go higher? So you think going to just keep running the running and running and and maybe never throw the ball? I I think it's situational. I mean, if you get into a game against the uh, against the Pac-12 opponent and you go up and and then you can control the clock and your run game's doing okay, then I, I, I don't think that's 
too far-fetched to say they should be, it becomes more conservative. Uh, I, it's probably situational. If you go into a game and your run game's doing okay, but you find yourself on the other side of the scoreboard and, and you have to start throwing the ball and, and the passing game has to be more effective, then maybe you see it, you see it open up a little bit. But that's an interesting, that's an interesting take is that uh, as conservative as I thought Utah was, uh, on Thursday, maybe they even become more conservative as they get into these bigger games. I, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but uh, I, I still feel like Utah and, and Tyler Huntley are going to have to be a little more productive. But uh, if Zach Moss is running the ball the way that he did and he's averaging you know, 175 or 200 yards a game, then that certainly has proven to be a winning formula in the past. All right, so let's not look at the whole season. Northern Illinois, 16 passing attempts over or under. Oh, man. I, I think Utah's going to be able to run the ball pretty effectively against Northern Illinois. So, but I, I also think they wanna, they'll want to work on some stuff in the passing game. So I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to go over on 16 passing attempts against Northern Illinois. In your heart of hearts, Frank, do you really believe that BYU is so poo-poo? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, you fans want to know why not. Because you know there are a lot of you fans driving around and go, yeah, yeah, they are. Well, yeah. I mean... Those are those are rivalry, rivalry things that happen inside the locker rooms on both sides. That's where it should stay. You know, you you make comments like that in the in the locker room, and then you know everybody gets all fired up, and you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and then but then you don't. <laughs> I don't know that you necessarily take that to the podium um, <laughs> after the game, and those those are your post game comments. I I I I mean I I know. I know Tyler Hartley's personality a little bit, and I think he was just trying to trying to have some fun. and And of course, those comments will be will be taken and and blown apart, and maybe even blown out of proportion here and there. But when I heard it, when when we when we heard it afterwards, and listening to the to the, to the post game presser, I just <laughs> I just kind of scratched my head about it. Man, we, when when do we uh, when do we when do we finally figure out that no matter what we say, so everything's being recorded. It's always being recorded. Somebody's always listening and and um, you know I don't I think you just have to be I think you just have to be careful about some of the comments that you make. So I <laughs> I don't know. I think I I I thought BYU played played pretty well. And and the game went a lot the way that we thought it might go and and you know, pretty tough contest and turnovers made a huge difference and and you know let's let's leave it in that and wish everybody luck the rest of the season until you get together at the beginning of next season so i don't uh, i don't think i feel that same way about uh byu's football program all right frank we will leave it there thanks for joining us and we will talk to you again next week All right, guys, I sure can't wait. Love having college football back. There's the former Ute quarterback, Frank Dolce. He's the analyst now on the Zone Sports Network, and you'll hear him on multiple shows throughout the week. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, When we come back, Pac-12 football, Lincoln Kennedy. 
his take on the opening week of the season and uh, USC and how impatient they are. There's this whole narrative of, uh, you know, Clay Helton's got to win, or I don't think that's right. I think Clay Helton has to win big. If Urban, if Urban really wants that SC job, he's getting it, unless Clay Helton wins a conference, I think. But we'll run my theories past, past Lincoln next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK and Lincoln Kennedy join us from the Pac-12 Networks. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you today? We're doing all right. How are you? Not bad, not bad. A little little down that the Pac-12 didn't take care of business over the first weekend, but it is what it is. How disappointed were you in Oregon? What happened? Well, there? I mean, not not so much disappointed. I mean, they played a hard game. It was a good game, um, but but it was a little bit of a letdown because it, it started off the week with Arizona's loss to Hawaii, and then with oh goodness gracious, here we go again. And and, and you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have to deal with it in your own capacity. But you know, one thing that I, as I've mentioned before, I, I get tired of the uh, I get tired of the what is it, just the banter about the Pac-12 on a whole on a national scale. So, you know, I'm hoping that we have a good outing. And Oregon had a chance, uh, a premier chance against Auburn, played a pretty good game, but just came up short, uh, just as uh, uh, Arizona did. So, um, you know, it was a tough weekend. So with that in mind, you know, you look at particularly the ACC, it seems to be Clemson and everybody else. SEC is a little deeper. Uh, Big 12, you know, or maybe Oklahoma, Texas is, looks like they're on the way back. Uh, Big 10, in my mind, it's Ohio State and everybody else. So even though Oregon lost, do we now turn our attention for the Pac-12 as far as making a national splash to the two Washingtons in Utah? I, I think that's that's probably going to be your best bet. Um, Washington uh, with Easton had a great, you know, strong outing, as did Wazoo, and then of course the way the Utah showed a complete team in the win against BYU uh, was a good showing for the Pac-12. But the thing is, is that now we're just going to go through the, the sort of meanderings that is the season. Um, the Pac-12, like I said, I think is one of the most competitive conferences, so I think the, you can expect that those teams that we think highly uh, might suffer a loss uh, here and there. But when it comes down to the Pac-12 championship, hopefully that's exciting with two premier teams, uh, and, and then more importantly, whichever, pack, uh, whichever uh, teams come out of the Pac-12, they win their bowl games. That's the best way that you can put a scenario for a future. Um, but this year, the, the bowl projections are going to hurt from what happened in week one, and I know it's kind of early, but let's face it, a loss hurts you these days. One loss hurts you these days, and the way things are with the playoff and the premier bowl games, one loss hurts you. So um, you lose a little bit of that glimmer and that possibility when, uh, say, JT Daniels USC, the projected starter goes down with a knee-ending injury, a season-ending knee injury. Um, that's that's rough because there were a lot of people focused on USC, and now the banter around you know Clay Helton and USC will be, well, should he lose his job to Urban Myers in Los Angeles? Well, let me just say this: 
I don't think it's fair for a coach to be graded on injuries to premier players. I think you could say you could be critical of a coach and say, well, you don't have a notable backup or you don't have somebody to stand in. But, you know, a lot of times that's just not necessarily uh, fair because it's hard to recruit in college football. And more importantly, there's not a lot of places that have, you know, two or three premier quarterbacks, uh, you know, three deep. So do you think there's any hope for Kadon Slovis making an impact here? And uh, helping USC win games, or as a true freshman, is it just this is overwhelming and it's going to go poorly? No, 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 no. I mean, they, they've got they've got some athletes. It's not oh, totally out of the question, um, uh, you know, for moving forward. But I just think that it, because SC always has a t- uh, um, you know target on its back. It's going to win more games than it's going to lose. I'm not saying the whole season's lost, but it's going to be tough. So the way I look at it, obviously, with JT Daniels going down and the inexperience or lack of talent in the other teams in the South, Utah, which was already the prohibitive favorite, receiving 33 out of the 35 votes to win the division, now it even goes up even higher. So with that in mind, the only way, and it could change, but as of right now, the only way I see them not winning the division is they themselves have a slew of injuries, particularly at the quarterback spot where they only really have two scholarship guys and then they have a, an, a walk-on that they've scholarships. So they have injuries there or they have a rash of turnovers. So knowing what you know out of Utah and what you've seen out of Kyle Whittingham now, when we get into the conference, they've got two teams they should whip on in the next two weeks. But when we get down to SC starting uh, uh, two weeks from Friday, do you think that he really just – I, I guess I can't say necessarily go totally conservative, but make sure that offense just does not screw it up because the opportunity there has gotten even better. Well, it comes down to execution, right? And coaches coach, players play. So when you think about it, you, you, as a coach, you can only do so much. You know, the one thing that we've gotten into with football these days, guys, is that you find coaches trying to do whatever they can to protect their players. Protect the players from what? Football's a contact game. There's inherent risk and injuries and in every time you take the field. You can't protect them from it. You just have to play. More importantly, you have to go out there and take care of business. You have to execute. Utah's in a good position because they have a, no, a number of notable veterans that are at key spots, especially a quarterback. And more importantly, you just have to go out there and take care of business. Now, we've seen good Utah teams in the past. We've also seen them have hiccups throughout the season or start off strong or finish poorly or, or vice versa. So, you know, the thing is that it's still going to be up for the football players to go out and do it. There's only so much that a coach can do to, to, to get this team ready to play. They still have to go out there and make it happen. Lincoln Kennedy joined us, Pac-12 Network analyst, also Oakland Raiders analyst. You talk about trying to keep guys healthy and protect them. Uh, what did you think of the uh, non-call on Costello? Did you think that was a forearm to the helmet that should have been targeting? You know, that's always a tough one for me because when a guy is sliding and another guy is trying to come in there, and yes, he's trying to make contact, um, in the heat of the moment, what – what it seems the rules, the way the rules are written, what they want them to do is they want them to be able to pull back or not lay a hit. That's almost, especially when you're in the midst of going for it, that's almost impossible. Um, I thought it could be a judgment call and go either way, to be honest with you. The fact that his helmet came off and, of course, he had a concussion added a little bit of, uh, of banter to the fact that it should have been called targeting or, or something like that. But in this day and age, it's so hard with these judgment plays. You see a lot in the NFL with the pass interference rule and everything else. Um, it's just, it, it's really unfortunate that um, I'm glad they adjusted the targeting rule for the most part, and then it, it's, uh, but at the same point, it's, it's always a judgment call, especially when you slow it down to, to frame by frame. 
We've seen Chris Peterson just build a very good program at Washington, your alma mater, and they suffered a lot of losses this past season, guys going to the NFL and just graduation. But I'm wondering, I'm, I'm a little unsure. I know they're good, but I'm mm-hmm. wondering how good are they? Are they Rose Bowl contending good? Are they playoff good? Are they Alamo good? It's so early. Where do you see them fitting in? I, I think they're, I want to say they're playoff, I mean, not playoff caliber. I would, I would say um, Rose Bowl caliber good. Um, I don't know where the, the bowl structure in for the playoffs right this year, but um, I would say that I think they are capable of challenging for a Pac-12 championship. Um, we saw some holes in, in Oregon, and I think still Oregon's going to be good. I think Stanford's going to be good. I know Wazoo is definitely going to be good, uh, but I've always believed when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And Jacob Eason played a really good game against Eastern Washington, and even though they lost a lot, you're right, he showed me with his strong arm and his decision-making that, you know, Washington is definitely going to be a team to reckon with uh, in the Pac-12. So, is UCLA awful this year? Are they going to be mediocre and make a step forward from that 3-9? and nine? Or after that Cincinnati game, are they just tracking for another 3-9 and nine season? I think they'll be better than 3-9, and nine, but not by much. The truth of the matter is when you look at UCLA's roster and you look at the freshmen and the sophomores that they have, you, you can do one or two things if you're Chip Kelly. You can play a bunch of young guys and just have them, you know, you know, trial by fire, which means you're probably not going to win a, a bunch of games. Or you can just wade through the storm, which you're going to have to do against Cincinnati. They'll be good in the future because Chip Kelly has, has already started recruiting guys that, are, that can definitely implement a system. But they're going to take their lumps. And right now, when you look at UCLA, what's what's the the hardest thing to swallow is that you see a program down for as for as long as it is. And and, again, with Urban Meyer there, the rumors are already swirling, guys. I don't know if you guys heard them in your neck of the woods, but I'm hearing them uh, rapidly that, you know, these, one of these – one of these – both of these UCLA – I mean, both of these coaches might be out um, mainly because, you know, there's a swirl – there's a rumor circulating that um, Chip Kelly wants to move on to a bigger program. Um, so, unfortunately, with the kids hear this, then a lot of times it affects their, their just overall attitude and then definitely can affect their play. So the interesting thing about playing with the young guys and weathering through the storm, because it looks like that's what Herm Edwards is doing in the desert because yeah. they got so many young guys. He basically, as I see it from afar, now that's my alma mater, so I pay attention to it too, a little bit more. Sure. Uh, it seems like he's recruited over juniors and seniors, so they are playing an inordinate amount of young guys, 25 freshmen played in the first game whether they be first year freshmen or redshirt freshmen and so many and they've had a bunch of guys who transfer out who are older so weathering the storm it seems like they've got a little bit better handle on it than chip kelly does so i don't know that i can expect from them to be consistently good over the course of nine games because they are so young maybe next year and the year after it's a different story but for now with these young guys i mean young guys tend to be volatile up and down what do you expect from them not necessarily over the course of nine games but individually any given game well, here's one thing I do know, and I'll be doing the, the game against Sacramento State this weekend with the Pac-12 Network. Um, I, 
I see you, you, know, you have a true freshman quarterback who's stepping in. And right now, my biggest concern for this team is the offensive line. You know, left tackles went down, and then they, they moved their center. They're, all, pro, they're all, all conference center out to left tackle. So they did a little shifting around on the offensive line, but still had a fairly solid outing against Kent State. Now, this week in Sacramento State, and I, I still think the big thing is, is that they're getting themselves prepared, obviously, for Michigan State the following weekend. But one thing I can definitely take for, for solace of the Sun Devils is their defense is going to be a lot better, especially in their secondary. And and that's going to send a message that this team's going to win a few more games based on the defensive performance, creating turnovers, and putting their offensive in position. Um, Eno Benjamin is one of the more consistent backs who I just love watching because the yards that he gets after contact is just its so exciting to see. I, I love a good old-fashioned running football team. And I still think that uh, A-State can do that. Uh, and the thing is, is I'm talking to the kids at A-State and talking to a lot of the coaches, you know, they believe. They believe that they can they can win, and they believe that they can be successful. And that right there is is a lot when you talk about what Herm Edwards has done. Um, yeah, but Jaden Daniels, to me, is, is one of those guys that's going to be exciting to watch, and his whole team is going to be fun to watch throughout the South. Two conference games Saturday night, Cal's at Washington and Stanford's at USC. Who's going to win those games? Stanford should take care of business against USC. Um, and then, you know, Cal Washington, Cal put up, uh, put up a little bit of a fight with that defense in the first half. Of it. I expect Washington to pull away. So you talk about Clay Helton and, you know, you shouldn't be judged upon injuries, but it is USC. <laughs> and so yeah. rules don't, that apply to one place don't necessarily apply with SC. So is it going to be a difficult situation for him to retain his job? Yes. No doubt about it. Yes. I, I Look, when you just watch the – I was watching what was – I think it was Fox Sports the other day. You know, you've got Urban Meyer next to, what, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush, I think it was. Yeah. And then them just talking about USC and, and seeing the sparkle in their eye when they looked at Urban Meyer, and especially <laughs> when he talked about them. Because SC is a lot about flair and flash – Yes, it makes absolute sense. You know, the typical rules do not apply to them. And this is one of those instances where you have a flamboyant coach who's had success in your neck of the woods. And right now you're not having the presence that SC football has had throughout the decades. Uh, you want to return to that. There's no doubt in my mind there's some, there's some Urban Meyer courting going on, whether it's, you know, directly or indirectly. So every time he goes to work on the weekends, Bush and Leinart are going to be leaning on him? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So, having lived in Southern California for a long time, it would seem to me, everything you say about the flash and flair of SC, that if Urban makes it known, directly or indirectly, that he wants that job, then I would think Clay Helton's got to win the conference or he's out. And that may not be fair, but that's the way it is. How far off? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, USC is really going to have to make a a big push. And let let me try to find... I don't know their schedule off the top of my hand, off the top of my head. A USC? Um, yeah. It's, uh, um, I've I'm, got it. It's right here. It's, okay, uh, you got it? Yeah, they're playing Stanford this week, and then they go to BYU and host okay. Utah. And uh-huh. then they got Washington and Notre Dame after that. Now, see that right there, those three games right there, um, you know, I, I, I think they'll lose to Stanford. They should beat BYU, even though it's in, in Provo. But then you've got Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. So you're probably looking, you know, I mean, you're looking at more, definitely more losses than wins in the first month. You know, still having Oregon, 
you know, a, having to go to A State, having to play at Cal, and then finish off the season at UCLA. I mean, you can make a you can make a point where they can probably be 500 if they if they're 500. I, I'm looking at the record going through the wins and losses just immediately um, on the schedule. They, they might be they might be a five and sixteen guys. Wow. Well, I don't. But see, the thing is, I think with that Utah, Washington, Notre Dame stretch, if they're two and four, let's say you're right, and they do win in Provo. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't, they're one and five. Then yeah. I figure he's out mid-season so that they can hire Urban so he can get a head start on recruiting because they got the early recruiting date in December. They're going to want to make this move sooner, not later. Good point. Maybe they hire Cliff Kingsbury, huh? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you think you think you think Kingsbury be out by midseason? <laughs> They'll definitely win more games in the Cardinals world, that's for sure. <laughs> well, in the NFL, anything can happen. We've seen that. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, is the Pac-12 up for any more humiliation in non-conference games this weekend? Uh, Nevada's at Oregon. San Diego State's at UCLA. Nebraska is at Colorado, and Colorado did beat Nebraska last year. Uh, or- Oregon, State's, Oregon State's at Hawaii. Are, are there right. any going to be any embarrassing losses there? Well, I mean, just from just from you know thinking about, it, I haven't really given it much thought. Um, I think the, the Colorado Nebraska will be a good game. It's another way for the Pac-12 to sort of make a statement because everybody thinks so much of Scott Frost in Nebraska and where they're going. Even uh, um, and I would say, you know, the the other games. Don't be surprised about San Diego State. I don't think anybody will if they win. Um, but no, no, it, it's right now to me the team just go through these little non-conference games and, and it goes, it's a coin flip anyway, but then you get into your conference schedule and that's when sort of, you know, the, the, the good teams have to separate themselves when they have to win games. But what we've seen happen so many times, especially in this conference, is that somebody comes out of nowhere and, and beats someone else. And, and you know, that's, that's just what you have to deal with. But, and that's why I think it's competitive. But at the same point, it doesn't make a national statement when you don't take care of business against non-conference, in non-conference games or bowl games. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. There's Lincoln Kennedy, our Pac-12 Network analyst, joining us every week here. And as he mentioned, he'll be on that uh, that ASU-Sacramento State game Friday night on the Pac-12 Network. All right, taking a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.